This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Beseeching God's help to free Cuba from communism. For much of the summer of 2021, the American TFP has been holding public events to raise the awareness of Americans to the conditions of communist Cuba. This included a successful petition drive asking President Biden to help deliver Cuba from the communist yoke. However, political help will not be enough. Far more important is the supernatural assistance that only God can give. This episode of Return to Order Moment considers the nature of Cuba's and our need for divine help. Our first essay was written by the founder of the International TFP Movement, Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira, in 1969. In it, he asks, when will our eyes finally open regarding Cuba? Is the term reactionary flattering or pejorative? Some progressive readers will answer that, of course, that it is pejorative. I think this is a simplistic way to answer. A reactionary is someone who reacts. What would the world be like if no one reacted against error, evil, ignorance, poverty, disease, and so on? These are good and necessary reactions. Therefore, the word reactionary does not necessarily have to have a bad connotation. On the contrary, it can have admirable meanings. True, progressive propaganda has given this term a terrible spin depending on the environment. It is easier to explain the problem by making comparisons rather than by supplying definitions. Thus, in progressive parlance, a typically reactionary stance would be a wish for an absolute dictatorship in one's country in which all individual rights depended on a single ruler. The latter would have the power to dispose of everyone's work and production as he saw fit. He could assign tasks and schedules at will, change customs at his leisure. He could even intervene in religious worship, for example, by setting or arbitrarily moving religious holy days, such as Easter or Christmas. Faced with this undeniably dismal picture, a progressive begins to howl and cry out against tyranny, Nazism, and so on. To me, the attitude progressives take toward this depiction seems strange. Indeed, I once read in the press that Fidel Castro decided one year that Cubans would not celebrate Christmas and the New Year. He thought that they should be cutting cane to increase sugar production on those days. Thus, the celebrations were postponed until July. Consequently, in strict logic, Progressives should see Fidel Castro as an archetypical reactionary. Not so. Progressives willingly absolve the left for actions they criticize, sometimes correctly, when practiced by the right, or by the false right, it should be noted. This observation has real relevance, especially if Fidel Castro is replaced with other red leaders. Such a change counts on the support of American and Latin American sectors committing to preventing, or at least delaying, the Cuban people's liberation from Marxism. As it is easy to see, outside Cuba, this replacement conveys the impression that the communist regime on the island is no longer so ruthless. In turn, this impression creates a favorable climate for coexistence with the West. 
By diminishing the tension strangling Cuban communism, coexistence helps communism survive. Thus, Cuba inches toward a necessary rogue and evil coexistence with the West, with or without Fidel. This is why vigilance is required against the Red Reactionaries, whether they are on Fidel's team or another that succeeds him. They are all reactionaries in the most pejorative sense of the term and authentically red ideologically. Listen, progressives. You who boast of fiercely opposing all reactionaries, will we see you in the fight against the crafty maneuvers of red reactionaries? Or will your omission, so easy to predict, finally serve to open the eyes of the naive? In the United States, the progressives that Professor Plenio described are in firm control of the news media. That is one reason that Americans have heard so little about the unrest in that country, only 90 miles from Florida. It is precisely this conspiracy of silence that the American TFP is trying to break. Mr. William Gossett describes the TFP's campaign in Cuba is the consequence of not heeding Our Lady's Fatima message. On August 5th, 2021, the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, held a press conference and rally in front of the Cuban Embassy in Washington, D.C. The TFP announced the delivery of 72,000 signatures to the White House asking for action to free Cuba from the scourge of communism. On this occasion... American TFP Vice President John Horvath II delivered the following remarks. On behalf of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, I welcome you to this symbolic act to present our pleas before God and the nation, asking for an end to the communist tyranny that has dominated Cuba for 62 long and tragic years. We will later deliver over 72,000 signatures to the White House as a statement of the desires of countless Americans who want to see this regime changed once and for all. On the other side of this wall are the cowardly agents who represent this evil regime. They have oppressed their people. They have brutally persecuted the church. They have offended God by promoting the philosophic and atheistic sect of communism that seeks to destroy any remnant of Christian civilization. Cuba should not be a threat to anyone. It is a small country that is not a great military or economic power. However, we know that if Cuba remains communist today and a threat to the world, it is because Cuba is sustained by Western money, tourist dollars, and communist allies. Cuba enjoys the praise of the media. The religious left promotes Cuba as a place of evangelical poverty and sees it as a place of pilgrimage. To understand the threat of Cuba, we must see the nation in the context of the prophecies of Our Lady of Fatima in 1917. Only then does it make sense. Our Lady of Fatima presented a message of tragedy and hope. 
She requested that mankind repent and convert and thus obtain the blessing of God. However, she warned that if her message was not heeded, we would suffer wars, violence, and chastisements. The world has not heeded her message, and so we are seeing what she foretold. She said that nations like Cuba would fall to communism, saying that Russia would spread its errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecution of the church. That is why we are here today. Cuba is communist today because the world has not converted. America has not converted. Cuba has not converted. Cuba served and still serves as an instrument to spread the error of communism throughout the world. Today, Cuba helps enslave not only its own people, but the poor people of Venezuela, Nicaragua, and other nations. Cuba is a symbol to all Marxists that gather courage, seeing that the miserable spirit of communism still lives there. If we want it to stop, we must convert and repent. We must actively oppose Russia's errors that prevent this conversion. We are here because recent events in Cuba show that communism has not changed. When young people protested all over Cuba, the security forces cracked down upon them with brutality. To this day, well over 1,000 people are missing. Now is the time to denounce the regime and keep up the pressure. Cuba is vulnerable today because the cries of its people demand that we take notice. If we fail to do this, we might be communism's next victims. Unfortunately, we see the sinister hand of communism now working in our country in the form of legislation and state expansion that will ruin our nation. Throughout the history of the TFPs worldwide, we have long fought against communism and linked it to the Fatima message. Our founder, the Brazilian thinker Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira, perceived the great danger of communism and raised a crusade of ideas and principles against it. We opposed the advance of communism throughout the Cold War years when it was often unpopular to do so. We have fought against liberation theology, especially in Latin America, which sought to introduce Marxist doctrines into the church and use the church as a vehicle of revolution. In 1990, we collected over 5 million signatures for the freedom of Lithuania, a world record, and thus unmasked the maneuvers of Gorbachev, who sought to maintain his grip upon that nation. Today, we oppose the new packaging of communism, whether found in Green New Deals or infrastructure packages. All these manifestations of Marxism repeat the same errors and deviate us from the real solution of the conversion Our Lady asked for at Fatima. Whenever possible, the TFPs have always denounced Fidel Castro and his brutal persecution of the church and enslavement of the Cuban people through books, publications, street campaigns, and other actions. 
We come here today before the embassy of the island prison of Cuba to make our voices and that of 72,000 signers heard. We denounce the regime and above all the complicity of the West. We refuse to be silent in the face of this regime's brutality. We raise our voices to heaven and pray that this abomination end once and for all. Let us put this effort in the hands of Our Lady of Charity of Cobre, the patroness of Cuba, to ask that Cuba and the world be freed from communism. Let us heed Our Lady's request at Fatima and be satisfied with nothing less than the triumph of her immaculate heart. One reason for concern about the situation in Cuba is the silence of the Catholic Church leaders about it. On July 29, 2021, the TFP released a statement to the press entitled "TFP asks when will Pope Francis condemn the cause of poverty in Cuba?" New momentum is building in the fight for Cuba's freedom. As the communist regime cracks down on street protests within the island, Americans are urging world leaders to step in and help the Cuban people secure their long-awaited freedom after 62 years of oppression. More than 72,000 people so far have signed a petition asking the White House to take quote, "all measures needed to affect this regime change." Unquote. Communism is the cancer. And now is the time to cure the cancer that's been hurting the Cuban people for so long. But you can't cure that cancer without addressing the root causes of the illness," said John Horvat II, Vice President of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family and Property (TFP). Quote, "The world is waiting for Pope Francis to speak out against communism in Cuba." The pink elephant in the room is communism and socialism, but the pope hasn't said a word about that. His holiness found time to talk about plastic in the ocean, but nothing was said to help the poor Cuban people break the shackles of communist slavery. Unquote. While the minimum wage in Cuba is about $17 a month, seniors are expected to survive on less. Quote, If Pope Francis wants to help the poorest of the poor in Cuba, why doesn't he denounce the root cause of poverty there? Communism, Mr. Horvat asked. Although some blame the US embargo for the ills on the island, Mr. Horvat disagrees. Quote, "Food and medicine are exempted from the embargo, and nothing stops Cuba from buying whatever it wants from other countries." But it's beyond ironic how Cubans blame their misery on a shortage of capitalist goods while they fight to overthrow the capitalist system. The future of Cuba does not belong to revolutionary rebels like Fidel, Che, or Lenin, Mr. Horvath said. The future of Cuba belongs to Christ the King. Cuba is no stranger to the idea that God can provide immense help, often through the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our Blessed Mother is known by many titles throughout the world. Many Cubans, both within and outside of Cuba, know her as Our Lady of Charity of Cobre.
Edwin Benson describes the miracle that gave rise to their devotion in his essay, The Marvelous Story of Our Lady of Charity of Cobre, Patroness of Cuba. Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, has many titles. Some titles describe her relationship with God, such as Mother of God. Many titles refer to her surpassing virtues, such as Seat of Wisdom. The most reassuring titles speak of her relationship to humanity, such as Refuge of Sinners or Mother of Good Counsel. However, many titles are connected to places by which she endears herself to nations. This article deals with one such title by telling the marvelous story of Our Lady of Charity of Cobre, patroness of Cuba. Like many such titles, this devotion is connected to a miraculous event. It begins with several ordinary people engaged in their daily work, which in this case was the gathering of salt. One day in 1612, two young Indian men, Rodrigo and Juan de Hoyos, and one child, 10-year-old Juan Moreno, went into the Bay of Neep in a small boat to collect salt. The exact process by which they gathered it is uncertain, but the salt was used to preserve meat. They were returning to the port town of Santiago del Prado, today called El Cobre, when a storm arose. Their lives were in danger. Juan Moreno was wearing a medal with an image of the Blessed Mother, to whom all three prayed. Just as suddenly as the storm arose, the waters calmed. The three were relieved that Our Lady had spared their lives. As they returned, they saw and then retrieved a white bundle floating on a piece of wood. The bundle turned out to be a 16-inch baked clay statue of the Blessed Mother holding our infant Redeemer in her left arm and carrying a gold cross in her right. Mary's feet rested on a thin crescent moon, which in turn is carried on clouds borne by angels. Our Lord's right hand is raised in blessing, and he holds a globe in his left. The piece of wood bore the words, Yo soy la Virgen de la Caridad, which translates to, I am the Virgin of Charity. The three young men were astonished to discover that the statue and her white cloth robes were dry. Given the violence of the storm only a few minutes earlier, this seemed impossible. The delivery from the storm and the discovery of the dry statue made the three sense the miraculous nature of the Virgin of Charity. They took the statue ashore and told their story throughout the village. Eventually, the figure was housed in the parish church in El Cobre. However, one day, the statue disappeared. The villagers frantically searched for it, but to no avail. Then one night the searchers saw a light shining from a nearby mountain. Like the three wise men following the star of Bethlehem, they went to the light and found the statue. On that site, the local men constructed a hermitage church to serve as the statue's place of veneration under the Spanish invocation of Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobre. The story spread 
and the chapel became a place of pilgrimage for the poor and enslaved workers in nearby mines. Over the next 70 years, devotion to Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobre grew as devotees reported answered favors and miraculous cures. In 1688, the Archdiocese of Santiago, which includes El Cobre, initiated an inquiry to determine the statue's miraculous reputation. The reputation of Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobre increased in May of 1801, when Spanish King Carlos IV issued a declaration freeing all slaves who labored in the copper mines of El Cobre. From this action, the practice of bringing copper objects to her shrine and having them blessed near the image arose. On May 10, 1916, Pope Benedict XV declared Our Lady of Charity to be the patroness of Cuba. Twenty years later, a ceremony that culminated with the solemn coronation of the statue took place at a Eucharistic Congress in Santiago. When large numbers of Cuban exiles came to Miami in the wake of the Castro Revolution, many wanted to bring a historical copy of the statue with them. However, the government refused to let quote-unquote historical relics leave Cuba. Eventually, one was smuggled out of Havana by the Italian embassy. The embassy passed it on to the Panamanian diplomatic office. The Panamanians turned it over to the Cubans in Miami. On September 8, 1960, the feast day of Our Lady of Charity, thousands of Cuban exiles converged at Miami Stadium to welcome her. Today, she remains a symbol of hope in the face of the communist menace. Cubans flock to her shrines, imploring her intercession. Many shrines to her have been established over the years. In 1973, a shrine to Nuestra Señora de la Caridad del Cobre opened near Biscayne Bay in Miami. In 1977, Bishop Eduardo Tomás Boza Masvidal, Auxiliary of San Cristobal de la Habana, blessed and dedicated an oratory in her honor in the National Shrine of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. The following prayer is inscribed in that oratory. O Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Charity, Filled with joy, prostrate at your feet, I entrust myself entirely to you. Virgin of miracles, heal the sick, console the afflicted, give hope to the destitute, preserve families from evil, protect the young and innocent. From your chapel at Cobre, watch over the just, convert sinners, fortify thy priests, and save all Christians. O loving Mother Mary, Blessed Virgin of Charity, Patroness of Cuba, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let us add our prayers that she will deliver Cuba from the curse of communism. This concludes Beseeching God's Help to Free Cuba from Communism. Thank you so much for listening. Some of the essays mentioned our petition drive in favor of the Cuban people in their desire to throw off communism. Even though the petition has been delivered to the White House, we continue to collect signatures. Please go to 
tfp.org slash freecuba and add your name to this vital effort. Again, that web address is www.tfp.org slash freecuba. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help the Return to Order moment be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out our motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.